Hello and welcome to Grid Talk. This is episode number 333, where we're going to be previewing the 2023 Qatar Grand Prix. My name is George Houston, and joining me today we have Grid Talk co-host Owen Medford. Hello. And Tom Downey, as well as Phil Matthew from the Gripship Podcast. Hola. But before we get into this episode, we need to thank our sponsors, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right now from your phone. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And today we're going to start by uh, talking about the format of the Qatar Grand Prix coming up, Owain. I don't know about you, but it's crept up on me a little bit how three of the next four races are sprint weekends, which is half of the sprints for the whole season crammed into four races. Do you think that Formula One should have potentially spread that out a bit more? And do you think that a sprint weekend will suit the Qatar circuit? I think they definitely should have spread it out more. I think that's fairly obvious. We're having, well, we've got six races left, including Qatar, and three, and obviously half of them are sprint weekends. Now, there's something to be said for the fact that there's commercial interest there for F1. I think they want to make it a, a flashier event, and that makes a little bit more sense if you're going to do, say, the USGP or and and Sao Paulo with those big for European time at least. Those are evening races. Those will be relatively interesting uh, with the time that they'll be running competitive sessions on. But as a looking back through the calendar, I'm sitting there looking at you know, obviously the th- three previous sprint Grand Prix, a bit Azerbaijan, the Austrian Grand Prix, and and the Belgian Grand Prix. But you look around at the other at the others that are available, the other places we could have had one, where we could have had one at Bahrain or or to be fun, <laughs> probably would have been a bit of a mess at, at Australia. But Spain could have had one or or Canada. But there's there's places throughout the year we've had a b- really big gap, and there's obviously there's the summer break in there, but we've had a, a gap of about three or four months where there's been absolutely no sprint races and a number of races in between that they could have used and they haven't so it, it feels it just feels a bit claustrophobic and condensed which is a bit weird it's, it's, it's like they've forgotten that they need to put them in and crow to bar them all in so yeah I, when it comes to the Qatar circuit i think it's relatively interesting from a sort of perspective of i, I think the the, the, the Qatar, sorry the Qatar circuit is i think what that allows is it's not like a, the case that you'd have in in azerbaijan where you make a mistake, you over into a braking zone, or, so, or send a, a bit of a risky move. It's much less likely that you're gonna that you're gonna damage your car and ruin the rest of your weekend with the car in part five conditions at that point. So I think there's a, at least a little scope for the drivers to be a bit more creative, be a bit more aggressive, and hopefully we'll get a more interesting weekend from the sprint from the sprint race, and uh, and and it won't have so much of an impact going into the race itself, which is into the Grand Prix itself, which is the, obviously the part that they want to keep sacred. Yeah, it, it is strange. It's something that's, like I said, it just crept up on us. It's something that we've only really noticed recently. Um, and whether you like the sprints or don't like them, I think probably Qatar is a decent track to have it around, but a track like maybe Italy or Silverstone or Canada, that probably would suit it more and it probably spread it out a bit more as well because obviously yeah like away mentioned we do have uh, sprint weekends for the united states and brazilian grand prix coming up as well brazil obviously producing some fantastic sprint races but Cota, less convinced about that personally i'll be honest but 
Before we get into the teams, I just want to give a mention to the circuit itself, Phil. It's somewhere that was missed off of the candle last year for the World Cup. Obviously, we had it in for 2021. It's somewhere that is new for Formula One, but for MotoGP, for example, they've been going there for nearly 20 years now. What do you make to the circuit? Is it some? Is it a track that suits Formula One? Because I remember the qualifying in particular here was thrilling last year. It's a very high-speed track in full pelt for the Formula One cars, but it also caused a lot of problems with punctures later on in the race too. Yeah, they have issues with the sand coming onto the track. They don't really use the track all that much. You can, the MotoGP weekend, you have World Superbikes for a while, they had a weekend there, and then form now we have Formula One. So very little usage of the track, so you have to go and have track evolution. Now you only have one practice session because it's a sprint. You're going to have probably a single line through a lot of the tight twisty sections. The last time they were there, it was a regular format with the practices and qualifying, which by the time they got to the race, at least initially allowed for a little bit of overtaking. But as you brought up, George, there was a lot of punctures. I would assume Pirelli has brought a different combination of tires so that they'll be able to hold up as Owen mentioned I with the sprint race I think we'll see what happens with that I, it doesn't count for grid positions anymore so it's just nonsensical just to go and hand out some points it'll be the coronation so essentially that's what that's for I'm more curious as to how the race will be behind the soon-to-be champion again and what will go on there. I think the strategy and because of the long straightaway, it'll make the that pack of four teams how it'll get it'll make it very interesting to see all the strategies they have to play and how tire deg will work, especially at a very hot circuit. But I think that's really what I'm curious about over the weekend is what the likes of Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren and um, even Aston, if they decide to show up, what all those four teams will do and hand in how they handle the Qatar circuit. Yeah, whatever you think about Formula One racing in Qatar, I think we can all be glad that it's at the sale and not the rumoured Doha street circuit that was mooted to be taking the place of this Grand Prix. Thankfully, that hasn't happened and I hope it doesn't happen because I do think this is a decent track, obviously in a very contentious part of the world, of course, but... Let's get into the teams now. Let's start with the guys at the bottom of the championship, Alpha Tauri, Tom. A lot of intrigue and mystery around Alpha Tauri. Uh, one thing that has been confirmed, of course, is that it'll be Yuki Tsunoda and Daniel Ricciardo driving for them next year. But who's going to be driving for them this weekend? Because Ricciardo has been rumoured to come back for this race, but obviously he is coming back from that wrist injury that he sustained in Zandvoort. And obviously you had a very passionate word to say about Ricciardo driving for the team next year. Um I, I agree with you with that as well. I think that it's it's a crying shame that Lawson is not going to be driving for them uh, next year, but I would like to see him this weekend and see what he can do around a track where overtaking is definitely possible down that pitch straight. Yeah, I would expect Lawson to be driving for them this weekend. If Danny Rick, he has had surgery on his hand, and yes, it might seem like a relatively minor thing. He, he did have quite a nice sort of scar down the side of his hand there. It was still evident in the open surgery, and with the greatest of respect, it's not like he's in a title fight. Or the closest thing he's fighting for is perhaps a point on a weekend. There's no need to rush him back. 
I, he's around the paddock anyway. He's continuing to do his rehab, so he's still involved in the race weekend. He's probably sitting in in all the debriefs, all the team meetings. Very different is he's not actually in the car whilst his hands gets better, which I understand and which, to be honest, I agree with. So from Danny Rick's perspective, sorry, from Alfatari's perspective, I would say I wouldn't risk putting him in the car. I'm, I'm a bit sort of biased because I really like Liam Lawson and you know, I had my say on Danny Rick before. Taking that hat off here, I would say you wouldn't want a driver to rush back. Um, having said that, we have seen it before where drivers have been ill or injured or you look at the start of the season where Stroll missed out on pre-season testing which came into Bahrain but still you know, struggled to hold the car properly and Bahrain's relatively light in that sense. Qatar is obviously a much higher downfall circuit. Like you said, it's a MotoGP circuit so it's, it's got a lot of twists and turns. There's a you know, bit of undulation in it as well. I was, I'd rather see Danny Rick back with with like proper rehab on his hands to be honest from Alphardyre's perspective as long as he's in the car by Vegas because he is going to be their marketing guru pop it on a string for Vegas he's going to love it Vegas is going to love it everybody's going to love it I'm probably going to love it seeing him being marketed for Vegas I can already picture the corny promo just now so yes yeah, so I would say get lost in that car as, as for how their weekend will go who knows that's my expert input or my sort of like critical thinking on this just noises which is to put this more sensible comes out of my mouth half the time anyway. Alpha Tari, they're just they're just they're, they're plum last in the consensus so and maybe battling with Haas for the P9 might sneak a point. It's they're lucky, but I'm not expecting much to be honest. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And yeah, obviously better weekends for them in Japan and, and Singapore. Points in Singapore, eleventh and twelfth in Japan, admittedly with a lot of retirements in that race, of course, but still the car is looking slightly better in Lawson is looking no slower at all than Sonoda. In fact, he's been quicker, to be honest, for most of the time he's been in the car with him. So yeah, we'll see how those guys get on. Another team that's probably going to struggle to, to score points this weekend, Wayne, is, is Alfa Romeo. It, it's just rinse and repeat, really. We keep saying the same things about them going into each weekend. They're not looking particularly quick. They're not looking particularly reliable. It's just a difficult one to talk about. The only thing they're fighting for at the moment is to try and keep AlphaTauri behind them in the Battle of the Alphas at the bottom of the constructors' standings. And the way things are going at the moment, they'll do quite well to do that, really. Yeah, it's a weird scenario, really, where Alfa Tauri at the bottom of the table, and then you got Alfa Romeo above, and really should be obviously it's not, you know, run by Sauber, who are, who know what they're doing when it comes to uh, building racing cars. I have a Ferrari power unit in in it, and I think it's a current year one as well. And, and as much as it's a branding exercise, have Alfa Romeo on the front of it, who don't have to go back too far to, so they're no slouch. And they're sitting there, and we're looking at it going, the Red Bull B team might overtake him here. They're two points off Haas, and I don't see them getting that two points. Like I say, I don't think there's going to be much in the case of crashes out or anything like that in Qatar, but I'd love to be proved wrong, just for a, for a slightly interesting race. And I just don't see them doing anything with it. It's a, they're, they're in a holding pattern, and it's unfortunate, because an extra place would be quite a boon for them, financially speaking. Whereas, and it, I think the worst part is it's literally just it's just at the end of the sort of carrot and stick. It's you know it's just beyond that, and they can never reach it because it's two points away. And I don't, and as I say, I don't see them scoring those two points. It's a it's a really difficult position to be in, and they've got a relatively solid driver lineup, so you'd expect that they would be able to reach that. But uh, I, I don't see it. I, I think the car is holding everyone back there. Yeah, the uh, the car is definitely holding back Alfa Romeo and also likewise Haas as well, Phil. Um, 
after a better weekend in Singapore, it was right back down to earth for for Haas. Not their worst, worst result of the season by any means, 14 and 15, but though the Hulkenberg and Magnussen were the last two finishers. Uh, they were absolutely nowhere in Japan. Qatar, potentially quite a hot track, very dusty track most likely as well. So it's probably a circuit that's going to heat those rear tyres up in particular. Obviously, Magnussen had a great weekend in Bahrain like a year and a half ago or whatever in the desert, but I don't see a repeat on the cards here, to, to be honest. No, I'm just waiting on what they're saying is their upgrade for Coda to see what will actually come of the Haas team for the rest of the season. Until then, uh, it's going to be the struggle bus for them, which is basically has been for years but there's straight if their reliability becomes in concern obviously it's a concern for alpine since they seem to drop at least one car out of every race some of these other teams have self-inflicted wounds maybe the haas team can go and sneak a point qualifying is not going to be in their favor uh for sure it hasn't been recently hulkenberg was doing that earlier in the year i don't think that's going to be the case right now but stranger things have happened. It is a new circuit. With this car two years ago, is a different formula in terms of the aero and all that compared to what we're working with right now. And so maybe they're able to switch the car on and have the right uh, set, setups and, and things, but I doubt it. It's Haas. There's a higher likelihood of Gunther Steiner losing his mind than there is of uh, his drivers actually doing anything of great significance. Uh, there we go. I love Phil's rants on Haas. Always entertaining. So yeah, let's move on swiftly from Haas and get to Williams, Tom. I think they're definitely in with a shot of some points. Qatar is not the best circuit for them in there. It is a high-speed track, but there is a lot of downforce there needed as well. But I suppose after Japan in particular, the main thing for those guys will be just keeping the cars clean more than anything. And if they do that, it could be in for some points again. Logan Sargent will probably put it in the wall. Let's be fair, he seems to be quite good at that at the minute. But Albon, he's doing bits in that car. He's he's doing well. I'm hoping for something good from him. I'm expecting something good. Whether we actually get that, I don't know. Because it's, it's going to be quite a difficult circuit. Obviously, he wasn't racing in 2021 when we raced him last. Let's wait and see. I hope Logan can have a decent weekend because he needs it. And, you know, and, and Williams are obviously behind him. They want him to succeed. But he's not doing himself any favours. If he can just hold on for a good weekend then by this point a good weekend for him is keeping out the wall keeping his nose clean not you know not spearing anybody off not getting any penalties bringing the car home in one piece and nobody's expecting him to finish like p6 and Al- albon has been rejuvenated ever since he joined williams and he's in his second year the team's held in all, all the rest of it so for for, for young bogey he's he's been the Big learning curve, and he didn't exactly set F2 alight. He was always decent, don't get me wrong. He never, you know, he was never like this. He was never, you know, like Piastri or a Lando or a George or a Leclerc or whoever coming through. So, you know, you've got to tamper your expectations somewhat. And I know people say, you know, your first, your first like rivalry, first comparison point is your teammate, and that's fair because you do have the same car, even if some people seem to think people don't. So, you know, he's got to. If you're going to spend the whole weekend, like two tenths off Albon and keeping his nose clean, I'd say that's a good weekend. As for Williams, I think they maybe will struggle a bit more this weekend because they seem to favour the sort of like higher speed, higher downforce 
like higher speed of downforce type circuits, your likes of your Australians or your, your Silverstones, whereas Kota was long with like twisty turning, so they might suffer a bit for that. Yeah, we'll have to see how they get on. It's going to be interesting for Williams for sure. They're definitely guys who can disrupt the points. As are Alpine, in fairness, uh, ninth and 10th for them out in Japan last time. Not the greatest weekend, admittedly, for them, but still points on the board. Owain, can we expect more of the same from this weekend? Probably. I, don't, I think there's reliability concerns, but as always with Alpine, I think they are comfortably the most, the least reliable car on the grid, and they've had a number of DNFs. But I think they seem to have stemmed the flow in recent in recent weeks, and I, to, just to try and get a jig gauge of, of how a team's going to perform, just from a, how the car should be for their set for their circuit that they're heading to. I've gone back to the Netherlands, where obviously Gasly got <laughs> Gasly somehow got a podium, but obviously that's an outlier. The rest of the time, it's relatively solid points finishes. At the bottom of the points, with the odd, with the odd sort of hit up into make make into maybe the midway through it, sixth place or something like that. But unfortunately, that's not good enough for Alpine. They need a significant number of points to to get anywhere closer to Alpine. They've got under half, I think, the the amount of the points tally. I, I don't think it's obviously they're, they're, they're stuck now. Their uh, their poor performance has been the start of the season, and the better performance is in the end of the season. Uh, yeah, as we approach the end of the season, it essentially meant that they're stuck where they are. So it. It almost doesn't matter what they do because they are probably going to finish sixth. They're basically locked in here. I think it's like I say, it doesn't really matter. All all that the you're playing for pride at this point. I think they might be locked in on driver lineup. So it's almost it's like testing sessions. It's a bit weird for me. Find that I yeah, I think that Alpine are just in this such a weird position to be in as a works team where it doesn't really matter what they do because they're going to end up where they've ended up where they are now. Yeah, and I think you're right on the on the driver lineups as well. I think all the driver lineups are actually uh, set up for next year, aside from the second seat of Williams, which is currently Logan Sargent's. Everybody else is locked in already with the contract for 2024 or beyond in some cases. But yeah, Alpine, not really looking too amazing. They're probably just going to keep in sixth place, because partly because Phil McLaren have just been so damn good recently. It's been incredible. I'm a McLaren fan, as you guys know, of course. I'm going to watch Lyrical whenever I can, but a second and third place in Japan, a double podium. That was fantastic to see. Now, it is almost still a 50-point gap up to Aston Martin in fourth in the Constructors, but Qatar is a very high-speed circuit. A lot of fast corners here, long straight, just like Japan. Just like Silverstone, and those are two of the best weekends this this year so far. So I, I asked this bit, asked you this before Japan as well. Another podium on the card this weekend for McLaren potentially. I figure as such the way that Lando Norris has run since, and both and Oscar Piastri since the magical upgrade at Silverstone, they're arguably the second best team right now, or have been since then. He, both of those guys are. Piastri, his problems in qualifying notwithstanding, they've been the only, one of the only groups that has made the one car work here in the last few months. So I, I do think that battle, like I said earlier, it's a four-team battle right now, but I think McLaren generally is that lead team. Yes, they're the work works teams like Ferrari and Mercedes, but there's definite you could see red flags where there could be something that goes against them or mistakes, self-inflicted mistakes, while McLaren seems to be doing a lot of things right. And Lando's probably driving at the best that he has in his career. I think Piastri being there has made him 
focus more and be better. Um, and I think that combination is a really potent lineup as these years go on. And But for this weekend, I think the car is going to be very good for them. They'll We'll see how the sprint race goes for them in terms of points to go and cut into that gap. But I think the race will be a little more interesting with the McLarens up, up there flirting with at least one car to make the podium. And I think both cars in the top six at a minimum. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. And I'm so happy for Oscar Piastri finally getting that first podium as well in Japan out t- last time out. It was very much overdue. And hopefully that'll kick him on to get more podiums in the very near future as well. I did mention that McLaren are fifth in the constructors that it stands. So I'm going to give you guys a reminder. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Music or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. We've got hundreds of reviews on there. Every review you guys leave is a massive help in that regard. And if you're watching this on YouTube you're and you're one of the 72% of people who are not yet subscribed to this channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe and to ring the bell icon as well to know when we go out live. This episode is not going out live. This is a preview episode, but as Qatar is a sprint weekend, like we mentioned earlier on, we'll be having three shows going out live, one for qualifying, one for the sprint race and one for the race proper on Sunday. So it's going to be a busy weekend as always on Grid Talk. And also be sure to follow us on our brand new social channels as well, at Grid Talk UK. That's on Facebook, Twitter, Threads, Instagram, everything, all of them. All, everywhere where, the, where there's an at symbol, wear that basically. So go and search us up on there to get some more content from us. And let's move next to Aston Martin, Tom. They, at least they got points out in Japan, but like I mentioned to Phil, it's very much a damage limitation exercise in a way, trying to hold on to that fourth place ahead of McLaren because they can't really compete with them on track. So they're just trying to pick up as many points as they can, really. How do you see their fortunes going into Qatar this weekend? Not much, to be honest. After such a good start, to, I'm being honest, after such a good start to the season with the, how many podiums Alonso got, and ironically, Russell, wrong one, Stroll's best weekend being, sorry, I was thinking about champions who carrying their team. That's why I got confused. Uh, if, if you look at Stroll's best, first best race weekend was the one where he's recovering from, from a pretty nasty bike accident by the sound of it. After seeing how they struggled in Japan and being fed to the Lions, that's a stark contrast from defending like a lion, like we've heard before. I just, they've, they've hit a real slump mid-season, and for all the hype at the start of the season, and so the hype was real, to be fair, now that Mercedes got side pods, now that Ferrari drivers have ruined strategy, we're starting to see, well, we've seen those two teams come past, and Mercedes have already come past. It's only a matter of time before Ferrari go past them in the constructors. Aston Martin at this rate could finish maybe even P5 in the constructors after being P2 at the start of the season. Because the way McLaren are going, don't put it past McLaren. I, I don't know. I don't know what the points cap is. We might not have enough races or opportunities left in the season for that. But they're going to be looking over their shoulder. Alonso, he was on the podium here in 2021. And what does that account for? Not a lot, really, because he's with a new team with a completely new generation of car with a different engine and an even worse teammate. So what can you, what can you say about that? Actually, that's a disservice or a knock on Steeson. He's useless. That's my input on Stroll. I'm not going to keep bashing him because there's no point because I'm not adding anything to it. So you're just looking at Aston Martin in general. I, 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 you would think Alonso will get into the top 10. Stroll, I don't have much confidence given how his previous qualifying performances have gone at different types of circuits. It's, it's one of those, really. What can what can they do? They can maybe hope for a couple of points if Alonso can see like a P8 or a P7. I don't have much faith in Stroll getting a point. But 
I'd mean it. I would be happy to be proven wrong by him this weekend. But from what we've seen so far this season, I don't foresee that coming. No, nor do I. It's yeah, the car's got worse, Stroll's got worse through the year. Alonso's doing his absolute best in that car to get points every now and again. But the fact that I'm putting good performances just to get eight when at the start of the season, he was second and third quite a bit. It's not a great sign. It really isn't for them. And it's a forty nine point gap and that it is a decent gap to have, of course, but if you're not really scoring and McLaren are getting the odd podium here and there, it's not a good sign. It's really not a good sign. For them to get fifth at the end of the year, even to get fourth at the end of the year when they started out comfortably second, is a huge drop-off in performance like I don't think we've seen for a good many years. I can't think of anything as as chalk and cheese between the start and the finish of the season as that. Uh, it just shows you how incredible the development race is going for the one that Cars can literally start as one of the best at the start of the year and then go firmly into the mid-pack by the finish of it. Um, so Aston Martin on a downturn. Uh, Ferrari on an upturn though, Wayne, especially in the last few weeks or so. They're in a real tight battle with um, Sadie to second place. 20 points in that gap. How do you see them getting on this weekend? Because it's a high-speed track, just like Japan. They did well around Japan. And the gap is such that if they beat Mercedes throughout the rest of the season, if, but even by a couple of places, they'll probably get that second, especially if Mercedes, like we'll get onto uh, when we cover them specifically in a moment, but especially if Mercedes are potentially having some infighting between their drivers. Yeah, Ferrari, as you say, uh, they've, well, they've had an uptick in form. It's been, obviously, they threw the kitchen sink at Italy and then they, they converted to, they converted Singapore as well, which obviously was a, a bit of an outlier for various reasons, but it's not like that form's gone away. They were slightly less good in Japan, but the infighting that played Mercedes in, in Singapore returned in Japan, and there's no reason to suggest. I think they'll have maybe got on top of it a little bit and tried to address it, but it, it could inside. I think they've, they've maybe got a slightly better car, and Mercedes obviously run a race well enough that they can usually overcome a, a little bit of a performance deficit, and Ferrari seem to have, yeah, just at least just maybe tempered some of the issues that they normally have with strategy to the point where as you say it's only 20 point it's only a 20 point gap and it's entirely possible with you know a dnf or or as you say the, the mercedes drivers taking chunks out of each other that ferrari could sneak through and and outscore by a significant amount this weekend coming up and you know at least make inroads and as you say this you know as I said earlier, but there's six point, there's six races, and if Mercedes mess up those six races, it's entirely possible we're going to watch them go for, uh, from second to third. They've been, they, Ferrari have had to do this the hard way round, where they've had a little bit of a lull and come back. But Science obviously seems to be the uh, driving the best he ever has. Um, Leclerc still is a little bit shaky for me. I think he could be doing better. He's been, at least been carried with a better car up up the grid, and it's entirely possible that we could see a great result from them. Yeah, definitely. They're definitely with a shout for the podium. Absolutely. As are Mercedes for that matter as well. But given recent form, it's you could argue Mercedes are probably going to come into this weekend as the fourth fastest team. But they do have that second place for now in the constructors. It's going to be a good battle uh, between those two teams for the rest of the season, Phil. Um, but how do you see Mercedes getting on this weekend? Hamilton, two years ago, dominated this race. He, he was absolutely untouchable. Obviously, that's two years ago. A lot has happened since then in terms of the performance of the car. And if anything, to be honest, Mercedes seemed to struggle more around high-speed tracks, especially compared to the likes of the McLaren and the Ferrari as well. So, again, th this potentially could be a damage limitation ex exercise for them. Come out of this ahead of Ferrari and you're doing all right. 
Yeah, I think this is a weekend where going and getting the best out of it is what they're trying to do. The way that the kind of schedule is starting to lay out, it doesn't lay out in their favor the way the car has been. But you can see how the upgrades, whatever they bring to the table, might change that. Of course, Lewis is driving, has been the better driver uh, for the vast majority of the season. George is starting to decide to make his car extra wide and not drive with logic. So that's become a an issue within a, it's a, in that whole team. But right now, that's the focus. Like you guys are pro- you brought up, we're trying to maintain second in the Constructors' Championship. That's what Andrew Shovlin, you got other people, Toto, you got all these people, they're all talking about it. So there, and so you have to do everything you can to maintain that. You're not going to do that on qualifying day. You're not going to do it in a sprint per se. It's about going and having a good race strategy and trying to beat who you can, which could be the Astons, could be Ferrari, McLaren, whoever. But I figure that Lewis, he's, it's a new circuit, or generally new circuit. Yeah, he definitely was dominant there two years ago. It was a different time and definitely more enjoyable for me. But the fact is, we'll see what happens with Mercedes this weekend. I'm curious as to how they will respond because I see McLaren being ahead. Ferrari, I think, is the coin toss car. And the, the battle really could be with Fred. And, and Checo, really, by the end of the deal. Yeah, Mercedes probably feeling the pressure right now. One half of the Red Bull garage is absolutely not feeling the pressure. Max Stappen comes into this weekend, most likely going to win the championship. If he doesn't win it this weekend, he'll win it in the coming races for sure. The gap is absolutely ridiculous. All of the all of the constructors that we've mentioned so far, none of them have as many points as Verstappen does. Which is, I think it's just hit 400, so... A ridiculous tally, quite frankly. However, on the other side of the garage, Tom, even though he's got a contract for next year, the pressure is definitely on Sergio Perez. And I did a short video that we uploaded. I don't know if it's live yet, but it will be soon if it's not. Just going over how bad his weekend in Japan was. And I'm sure you spoke about it on the weekend and everything. It was it was just abysmal from a guy that all he has to do is bring the car home. I know it's easy for us to say that sitting here in our offices, not being chucked around at 200 miles an hour around one of the most difficult tracks in the world. But we're also not paid millions of pounds to go drive a Formula 1 car either. So what does Perez need to do this weekend other than just bring it home? Because it is, even as someone who staked something on Perez doing well this year, winning a race, I am thoroughly disappointed with how he's, how he's doing and I can't hide it. I can't hide it anymore. If he wants to have a good weekend, as long as he DNFs just once in the main race, he'll be absolutely fine. That's a key to success right there. Progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like that meme stonks. So it goes up. That you, you know the one. Yeah, no, those, those seriously, Perez, man. And well, well, first off, let's 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 just cover off Max. You know, he's going to win the championship this weekend. And as Perez outscores him by six points in the sprint, which I don't even know if if Perez will score points in the sprint. Let's be real. Max is going to be champion after the sprint. He'll be three-time champion and fully deserved. The way he's driven this season, class of his own. There's, there's not much more to say about that. As for Perrett, Herbie, given Alpha, I was going to say someone else, given Alpha Tauri have signed Danny Rickon for next year, that's probably a bit of an ominous sign, I'd say. That's probably Christian Horner and Helen Marco just keeping warm, 
seeing how he does, getting embedded back in, just to be like, be like to Paris, you really need to buck your game up, or buck your ideas up rather, and up your game. Because if he doesn't, he won't have a contract extension, I don't think. The One of the only reasons he's semi-guessing away with it, and I use guessing away with it very loosely, given how he's driven this year, is because Max has done so well. If there would have been more competition for P2 in the constructors, you know, if Mercedes would have been better at the start of the season, if Ferrari would have ended the season like they had at the start of last season, before they imploded, if Aston Martin had kept up their title challenge with with Alonso, but if they, if they also had a good second driver in, in, instead of a pay-driving idiot, then you know, you would. I think we'd have been questioning Perez a lot sooner. He won two races at the start of the season, and he was odds-on to win Baku on pace as well because he was looking like he was going to overtake Max and then whatever. But it's you know it's he hasn't really had a good. He had an all right weekend in Hungary because he you know because he he, he put his got back on the podium and all the rest of it, and he's never been like an out-and-out you know a qualifying machine, but. His racecraft, for someone who's been in the sport for, what, 10, 11 years, maybe even 12 years by this point, I can't remember when he joined, it was 2010, 2011, so maybe even 13 years now, who knows? It's like, what what can you do? Well, there's only so much guidance and support that Red Bull can give him before they before they say, oh, ow, on your Todd. They gave Albon a season and a half, and we, we've joked about the curse of the second seat. I think that curse of the second seat is real because, as Helmut Marko puts it a couple of months ago, he said now that Paris has woken up from his dream of going challenging for, for the world title, he wouldn't even be allowed to go for the world title with Max as his teammate because Red Bull will always prioritise one driver over the other. And when he joined that team, he was doing really well. If you look at some of the defence he put in 2021, you know, in places like Turkey, you see the stuff in Abu Dhabi where he's defending and all the rest of it, he was a monster. And he was doing exactly what Red Bull needed to. And even last year, he was doing it. Yes, some of his quality performances weren't great, but he was doing it. And he was doing it at the start of the season, this season. So I hope that the summer break would give him that chance to switch off, maybe have a bit of a reset and come back. And I thought we had that at first, but no, he's just slumped again. And I think... I think you're going to be ordering that sombrero soon, mate, because I really can't see Perez winning a race. And sprint races are included in that, by the way. We didn't say a Grand Prix, we said a race. So even if he nabs nab a sprint win, you're sorted, by the way, you'll be all right. But I, I can't see it happening. He, he's just, he's overdriving the car and he's making such stupid basic errors that you would expect from a rookie. And so if it was a rookie doing it, you could forgive them. But so the lunge you put in a Magnuson. What was that about? He did it. He did it on Albon in Singapore. I'm not going to go through his whole season because we haven't got time. He, he's made such daft mistakes. He just needs to back off a tenth, back off two tenths, and by not pushing for that extra tenth, he would gain probably two, three tenths. Yeah, it's a lot of different factors. It's pressure. It's the car probably just a lack of confidence not sure what it is but it's obviously not working the results are very clear for everybody to see in the best car on the grid Sergio Perez is a it just can't be Max Verstappen in the same car I didn't realise that though about the sprint race though I told Oryx if you're listening you heard that as well so if he wins a sprint that's three extra chances I didn't think I'd get 
We'll see. But I'm with Tom Downey in that I think it's still very unlikely, even with that asterisk attached to the bear. Um, George, it's no. not going to matter. He's so bad. I know. I'm. Did you see that? The, the straws clutching now. Uh, but yeah, honestly, I've got. These, I just don't see it happening. I do not see it happening personally. Well, we'll see. What, we'll uh, we'll go into what we do think is going to happen. We're going to give our predictions now. Uh, top three, bold prediction and a sprint race win as well. Owen, let's go with you. What are your top three sprint and uh, bold predictions for this weekend? I'm gonna go with Verstappen on top. Obviously, that's nice and easy. That one, and then I think I'm gonna go with. You know what? I think the Mercedes have fallen back a bit. I'm gonna give. Piastri second and then Sites third. I like that. Three different constructors in the top three. What's your what's your bold prediction? Or is that tying into what you just said? I don't know when bold prediction I hadn't thought that far ahead. Bold <laughs> prediction. A Mercedes gets on the podium. He's he's, hedge, he's hedging his bets, he's doing it, he's doing the tactics. I always hedge my bets. Exactly. No, I haven't. <laughs> Phil, what's your top three sprints and uh, bowl predictions this weekend? Yeah, the one car wins again. Uh, in terms of behind him, I will say the smooth operator, and in third place will be Lando Norris. That will be for the race in terms of the sprint. Same winner, and then I'll probably go Lando, and I'll swap around the best those besties the lando and the smooth operator in the sprint in terms of a bold prediction why not while tom has basically made him into a permanent crasher i have a little more faith in logan Sargent, even though he has made me question said faith and i even had to pass off my george house and he's going to score points last race at japan and I was proven right, but I will get back on that on that van or whatever, get on the bandwagon again. Logan Sargent is going to score his first points, and I'll keep on going with it until he finally gets fired for Mick Schumacher or whoever they're going to put in. That's not going to matter. Yeah, it's a real question. What's going to happen first? Logan Sar- Sargent scoring points for Formula One or him getting sacked? Who knows? We'll see. Hmm. What's your top three sprint and ball predictions for this weekend? My my sprint podium is going to be Max. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. What first? I'm going to go. I'm going to stop and run. I'm going to say Max, Signs, and Lando. And then my race podium. I am going to say Max again. I'm going to say Hamilton P2, and that's not a driver. I'm going to say I'm going to say Lando P3. Because I think Mercedes got good race pace. And I think over, over a longer race like that, I think I think better for them. Uh, Bob prediction somewhere in one of the sessions. Definitely more likely to be the sprint, but it could happen. Crazy things have happened. I'll say for mine. I'll say for the Grand Prix win. I'll say Max Verstappen, of course. Will have won the World Championship if he's not already won it after the sprint, like Tom was saying. Second, I'm gonna I'm gonna support my boy. I'm gonna support Lando Norris. I'm gonna put him in second place. Third, I'm going to go for the smooth operator. It's going to be Carlando or Lando Carlo in that order. Now, my ball prediction is going to tie into the sprint. I wasn't going to say this, but given Phil's belief in his man, Logan Sargent, I'm going to go with Sergio Perez to win the sprint. 
That's my bold prediction. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if it happens. I'm not edging my bets. I'm all in on that. So let's see what happens. Uh, as well, I want to give want to give our panelists a chance to to plug their outlets as well. Phil, I've mentioned that you are part of the Gripstick podcast at the start of the show. What is that, and where can people find it? Well, thanks, George. Yeah, the Gripstick podcast. You can find it anywhere you find or listen to podcasts. We talk about all things motorsports. So we'll talk about Formula One, of course, but we'll also cover NASCAR, MotoGP, NHRA, et cetera, et cetera. Anything that's going on, of course, IndyCar is in the off season now. So a little bit of silly season stuff to talk about there, but we'll uh, cover all of that on Ripshire Podcast, myself and Joshua Fine, former guest on the show and on this show. And yeah, we'll be back episode 189 this week. So we're on the cusp of 200, which is insane to think about where like we think about the numbers here for 333 for you guys and to be at close to 200 for myself and Josh is something that was is a pretty big milestone for two guys or at least one guy who spends a lot of time just ranting like myself. Yep, you can find me at PG Matthew 28. Josh is JP Huffine can find us at Gripstrip Pod on all of that is on X. And you can find our show also at philipgmatthew.com. And thanks as always for having me on. Great to be on with you guys. Always a good laugh letting Tom go and be his unfiltered self. It's always entertaining. And George, somehow or another, keeping this on track, which is very difficult. So credit to you, mate. Thank you, Phil. A pleasure as always having you on the show. And yes, if you want to go to head, head, and head home to the the home, the true home of unfiltered content, a scripture podcast for that. Tom, I mentioned that you're a co-host on Grid Talk, but also, of course, you're involved with Formula Talk too. Yeah, so Formula Talk covers F2, F3, F1 Academy, and sometimes other open wheel formats and sometimes some closed wheel. Basically, if it's not F1 and it's about sport, we may talk about it. Obviously, there's only a certain number of things we can talk about. We're a little bit of a hiatus because F3 is done and F2 isn't back until Abu Dhabi. We do have F1 Academy in between, though. They are actually one of the support series at Kota for the weekend, so we'll definitely be back for that. I believe they are racing before that, but I don't have the calendar at hand, and I can't remember. I can't remember what I'm doing tomorrow, so that's what's remembered for most full calendars, to be fair. Yeah, you can find Formula Talk everywhere you find Grid Talk, so the usuals. Yeah, thanks for that, Tom. And uh, Wayne, is there anything you want to plug? I just reiterate something you said earlier in the show. If you want to find out basically any info about about Grid Talk, uh, so show times and things like that, just when we're not when you're not listening to the podcast, make sure to go check out our socials. It's at Grid Talk UK on all of the social media platforms with an app. Thank you for that, Wayne. And as well, if you want to head over to YouTube, you can see most of our episodes are recorded live, as well as the ones that are not recorded live, such as this one. Uh, you can also find us in audio formats on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Pocket Casts. Just search for F1 Grid Talk on all of those to find our big bad catalogue of shows. Over 300 now, like I mentioned earlier on. We've got previews, we've got reactions to qualifying, sprint results, and the race results. Now, normally this is the point where I remind you that you can head over to our Patreon to support the production quality of the show. Of course, you can still do that if you want. But I want to highlight something else today. Last week, I got a message from my friend Paul, and it was one of the messages that nobody likes to receive. And it was regarding our mutual friend, Mark uh, Alamonda. 
And unfortunately, he has recently been diagnosed with cancer. Mark has contracted a new T carcinoma. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's a very rare and aggressive form of cancer. And I wanted to highlight this because it honestly broke my heart hearing about this. Mark's only in his 30s. He's only a little bit older than me. He's got a Just Giving page and he's raised, I think, nearly £2,000, which is incredible. Obviously, the goal's a little bit higher than that. It's linked in the description of this show. If you want to go to the show notes, it'll be there. If you have any spare money to give, uh, please, it'd be a massive help. If you do that, you can also leave a comment as well and let you know you've come from Grid Talk. If you want to search it, though, it's if you go to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mark hyphen collection, you can find it on there. I know we've got an amazing community of listeners on this show. And yeah, if you want to donate to a good cause, I think that's a very good one. On top of that as well, if that isn't quite enough for you, I will also be participating in November this year to help raise money for Mark too. So my trademark beard is going for the first time in four years. So I'm going to look very different on these shows. And if I'm being honest as well, it'll probably complete the look of the bandito that I will be impersonating at some point towards the end of this season too. So it probably complete. I don't. I won't need the fake mustache that will come with the that comes with some of those sombrero hats. I will ha- actually have one. Yeah. Uh, if you can head over there, that would be massive. I know you're a fan of the show, Mark. Like I said. Uh, so I hope you hear this and and yeah, just keep going, mate. You've got this. The whole of the Grid Talk community is behind you. I know you're a big F1 fan at the end of the day. And there's, we do speak a lot about F1 Twitter and stuff like that. But when it comes to serious issues like this, I know how good the F1 community can be. So yeah, I just want to thank my panelists as well for coming on the show as always. Very much to appreciate it as always. Thank you. Anytime, mate. No problem. And we'll be back on Friday to analyze qualifying for the Qatar Grand Prix. That'll be live from 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. BST. Thank you very much for listening to Grid Talk, presented by Bet Online. And goodbye.